You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Real Talk with me, Mason Bray. I am so grateful for you being here and especially for this episode where there is so much to celebrate. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, July 27th, this is my 17th birthday episode. So happy birthday to me. I'm so glad I could celebrate this day with you and you are back and listening to my show. I know that it's been a while. The past few months have felt like a dumpster fire, but we're getting back in the swing of things and going into senior year of high school. And now... I am turning 17. Also today and this month is my two-year anniversary on the Broadway Podcast Network. I want to thank Alan, Dory, Kim, Bia, and, and the entire BPN team for taking me in these past two years. And I'm so excited to continue hosting a show on their wonderful network. To celebrate all of this, I have a very special interview with Jay Armstrong Johnson from the Tony Award-winning revival of Parade. If you're in New York City, go see this show. It is incredible. Now, in the interview, we talk about how the show will hopefully win the Tony Award, and that's because I recorded this in, like, March or April. And that's burnout slash exhaustion for you. <laughs> If you want to learn more about me or my show, you can go to bpn.fm slash realtalk. Thank you so much for being here again and enjoy the episode. So we have the Broadway legend, Jay Armstrong Johnson, who is currently Britt Craig in the revival of Parade, but he has also been in Phantom of the Opera, On the Town, Hands on a Hard Body, Catch Me If You Can, and so much more on Broadway and around the country. I got the pleasure of seeing him in Parade just a few weeks ago, and I am so excited to talk to him about that, but also one of my favorite songs ever, The Serif from 35mm. So I'm fangirling over here today. Hi, Jay. <laughs> Hi, Mason. That was a very lovely uh, intro. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So can you give a rundown on how you got to where you are in Parade, but also just in the industry in general? Yeah, well, Parade kind of came about because of Michael Arden, really. I've been friends with Michael for a really long time. I've known Michael's husband, Andy Mantis, since we were teenagers. We auditioned for the first national tour of, a, of Spring Awakening together, like way, way back in the day. So that's how long I've known Andy. Then I met Michael a few years later. So I've, I've been friends with Michael. And just recently, in the last few years or so, have I actually been able to work with Michael as, as, as a director and as a collaborator. So we actually ended up doing a concert together in, in Tokyo this past summer. And he asked me if I'd be interested in Parade. And of course, I said yes. And he said he was thinking about me for a role, but that I'd have to still audition and that Jason Robert Brown was going to have to okay me. And so I, I did an audition. I submitted a self-tape and thank God Jason liked my self-tape. <laughs> and I think because I'd worked with Hal Prince and I'd met Jason through, through Hal, I think that also helped me. It was a feather in my cap. So that's kind of how at least... I, I came to be in Parade at New York City Center before our Broadway transfer. Yeah, that's incredible. Legends in that Legends. introduction. I know. 
I know I was at the Phantom of the Opera closing a couple of nights ago and I was just overwhelmed with this sense of like gratitude and just kind of like pinching myself knowing that I've, you know, I've been in contact with the greats, you know, if I've been collaborating with the people that I've studied and the people that I've, that I've been so inspired by my whole life. Um, so I'm, I'm holding all of that very near and dear to my heart these days. Yeah. And Phantom was such a big part of like musical theater history. And to see that chapter close is. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I guess we never thought that it would go anywhere. It was, it's always just been a staple of New York city. It's like, there's the statue of Liberty and there's the Phantom of the opera, you know, it's like, they'll be there forever. But I guess, you know, all good things must come to an end. I'm sure it'll be back in some other form very soon. Andrew Lloyd Webber is already hinting at it on Jimmy Fallon. I saw a clip a little bit ago. He sure is. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So for those who don't know, can you give a rundown on what Parade is about and the subject matter of the show? Yeah, essentially it's based on um, a true story about a Jewish man who's living in the South in Georgia in 1913. And he's um, wrongfully accused of the murder of a little girl. And it's kind of, it's a really intense slice of history that really highlights um, kind of the, the worst parts of our country. You know, it's just post Jim Crow. It's the Jim Crow South. And so the, the treatment of people of color and the treatment of Jewish people of faith was really kind of uh, terrible. And so it's, it's excavating that time in history and the, the fact that it's a, a true story is even um, more heartbreaking. But it, um, it's, you know, putting a mirror up to society and kind of showing us that we've not really come far <laughs> since yeah. 1913 with, you know, the rise of anti-Semitism and, and racism again in, in our country. It's shockingly relevant. And that what's make that's what makes it hurt even more is because, like, it's relatable now, which is a whole yeah. different topic. <laughs> It really is. And, you know, we, we feel the weight of that as a company and the importance of that as theater makers. So we, we feel honored to tell the story and a, and a sense of responsibility to tell it with truth and honesty. And, and it's just a really great, great group of brilliant, brilliant artists. And we've been supported so powerfully by our director, Michael, and by our producers to be able to tell the story in a safe and warm and correct way i guess absolutely a better term yeah and for me as an audience member it just like hit me so hard so i can't even imagine as a performer can you talk about like the mental toll that uh telling the story has with it but also could be rewarding as well yeah the the hardest part of the process is was the rehearsal process really we didn't have that long to rehearse it either at city center or for broadway and it was the conversations around the tough subject matter it was you know the, the kind of analy- of what we were doing and how we were doing it and what it means to be a terrible white person that's making terrible choices in the south that's affecting people of color and jewish people of faith and those kind of open conversations that we had to have as a company they, they were tough and there were some really really tough days in the rehearsal room as we were navigating this subject matter but what what our producers and what our directors did was kind of create this really safe environment to have those conversations 
We had a sensitivity coach there that was helping us navigate those conversations. Our associate director, Matthew Johnson Harris, this also has a lot of training in DEI and helped us navigate a lot of the conversations around how the people of color are feeling in the room regards to this time and in this piece. And they brought in a rabbi and black reverend and we had really intense and exciting and new conversations around white supremacy and how it affects both Jewish people of faith and people of color and how we can kind of eradicate those systems. And it, it really, <laughs> it's, that was the toughest and, and most beautiful part of what, of what we've gone through thus far. Now that we're in the run of the show, thanks to Ann James, our sensitivity coach, she gave us a lot of exercises to kind of de-roll, you know, you have to like enroll into a character, go out and play your part. And then once you step off stage, you de-roll, right? You like do exercises to let that go. And thanks to Anne, the run of the show is actually really great because the second that we step off stage, we get goofy, we shake it off and and we try, we try to keep as much levity and lightness backstage so that we can really do the hard work on stage. Yeah. That warms my heart to hear about the sensitivity sensitivity coach and all of that because I think so often there's like so many important stories that we have to tell and like mm. need to be seen by an audience, but like also as performers, we can't carry all of that. So it's wonderful it's to hear that that's happening. Yeah, it's it's the way that theater, I've, in my humble opinion, should be created regardless of whether you're doing, you know, a slapstick comedy or whether you're doing the Scottish play, right? I think that the tools that we need as actors to have to be able to, okay, this is a character I'm playing. This is not my real life. Like this, you know, so that we can take care of ourselves and take care of each other when we're doing these kinds of really intense things. Yeah. And seeing the show firsthand, you are giving all that you can on that stage and you can tell like you are on, you're jumping on that chair and giving everything to the performance. So can you talk about just the physical aspect of it, of like getting yourself ready to do that and trust yourself on stage? Yeah, I come from a dance background. I studied dance in high school. I was a dance major at my performing arts high school. It was really what I studied most growing up. So I approach a character with physicality first. And, you know, Michael knows that. And Michael's seen me do a chorus line and Michael's seen me do on the town. And so he's, he's seen me do these big, big dance roles. So he let our choreographers know, Lauren and Cree, that I did come from a dance background. So when we stepped into City Center, they were ready to kind of give me the physicalization of who Britt Craig is. So then that excited me because I love Lauren and Cree and I love their work. I think they're, they're brilliant. So Lauren and Cree gave me like a really solid structure of what they wanted it to kind of look and feel like. And they gave me some inspirations, like even from, oh, what's the movie? The Dark Knight, when the Joker's like dancing on the stairs, like that was one of their inspirations for, for Brit, which I really enjoyed. So, you know, I'm a crazy clown in life and always have been. And I was always the class clown and I was always the one with too much energy. And I'm, I have restless leg syndrome. <laughs> you know, I, I make sure that I go to the gym every day or that I'm at least doing a little bit of yoga before every show to make sure that my body is warm to do what I want it to do on stage. And real big news is like one of the biggest, like, show busy numbers in the show. So it allows for that kind of physicality and that kind of like 
creepy showmanship since you know Britt Craig is quite an anti-Semite in that song I don't know I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it and watching Paul Alexander Nolan work as well he's such a brilliant actor and he um, I call him Mr. Choices because he's always doing something new uh, and exciting and different in every show that we do. And I, that's inspired me to kind of twist things up and, you know, not because I'm usually pretty regimented in how I go through a show and how I perform a show. So I'm trying to like shake it up and be more like Paul these days. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Now, did you come from any formal education in the arts? Um with dancing? Like, did you go into musical theater in college? Yeah, I started doing theater in general at KWC Performing Arts, which was like a children's theater company in my hometown. So that's where I found theater. And that's where I first started my like, very first beginner dance classes and voice classes and acting classes. And then from there, I went to a performing arts school. And I studied ballet, tap, jazz, modern hip hop, you know, from the time I was 15 to the time I was 18. And that was, you know, I was dancing probably five hours a day, a couple of hours at school, and then a couple of hours after school at my dance studio. So yeah, I, I, most of my formal training was in dance, which made me decide to go to college for a voice. So I, um, I ended up going to NYU in their music program at Steinhardt. And I was a vocal performance major with an emphasis in musical theater. Lovely. Now, a personal question that I have to ask every single person that talks about being a dancer. Sure. How does someone, say a redhead living in Indiana, go from a mover to a dancer? You know, it's, it's you got to put in the work. My little cousin, Michaela, really wanted to be on her dance team in, at school. And she showed me what the audition combination was. And it was really intense, really really advanced stuff and she really wanted it a lot and i was looking at at the routine and realizing how advanced it was and how most of the girls that are probably pulling this off have been studying this since a young age she didn't end up making the team but she worked really hard but she's going to try to make it the next year but i told her that like if you really do want to become a part of this team the work that you have to put in is intense and it's an every single day thing stretching and strengthening ballet class going to the gym you know working at it every single day is the only way to make it better right practice makes perfect practice 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 that's the way you get to carnegie hall right and that's how i, I found that out about my voice as well in college like i didn't really start seeing a major transformation of vocal technique until i was in that practice room every single day working on my voice so it it, it really is is a practice and I'm still practicing. You know, I, that's why I still go to the gym. I push myself. I'm like, all right, how much weight can we push today? I still make sure I'm doing my warm ups and my cool downs. And, you know, it's being an artist, you are a student until the day you die, or at least I think you should be. Cause as you grow, you change and you should be excavating that part of your life that has changed. And how does it how does it feel now that you had that knee injury? How does it feel now that your voice has dropped into a lower register? You're right. So it's just, it's a constant education, I feel, to be an artist and to continue to know yourself and how you move through the world. So long story short, work hard, <laughs> go to class, do the work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will keep you updated on my mover to dancer. I'm really excited to hear about it. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. 
Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, continuing talking about that education side of things, I always ask people education versus experience. And hmm. most, most of the time, people say that they go together. For you, do, do you think that being a student of like learning as you do things is more valuable or do you think you need to go through those programs like NYU? You know, I would say if I was looking at just, just my experience, most of my education came from doing because I started doing it at a really young age. Right. So I lucked out because I was a boy in Texas 13, 12, 13, 14 years old that liked to dance, that wanted to dance. And there were institutions in my hometown, theater companies that were looking for boys to be in shows. And so, you know, not a lot of boys in Texas wanted to put on ballet tights and dance around on a stage. And I did. And so I got those opportunities to work with professionals at a really young age. And I was, I would study those professionals. And I think that's how I figured out how to act. And I think that's how I figured out how to work hard. But I was always, I was all, and they really do go together, right? But I had a really kind of charmed early career as being able to go to school to study the thing at the same time as being able to do the thing while studying. So I always tell anyone that's aspiring to be an actor or an artist to like, go find those opportunities where they might be in your hometown. If there's a show that's auditioning, go audition. Even if you don't get the show, the experience of going into the audition room and doing that audition is going to be a wealth of knowledge that you'll gain. Auditioning is a whole different technique that is separate from performing and it's separate from education. It's its own weird thing that you have to kind of like get good at, right? So they really do go hand in hand. And I wish I could say that they were that they didn't. But for me, they absolutely did. But just thrusting yourself into those spaces is super important. You know, take the yeah. risk. And I, I love it when people say that they go hand in hand, because for me, I am currently in the midst of like finding out, do I want to go to college? Do I want to just like throw myself into the world and see what happens? So I like hearing all those different reasonings for everything. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, my plan, I only applied to NYU, by the way. I was like, I'm getting out of Texas and I'm going to New York City. And so I guess I need to go to NYU. And my plan was if I didn't get into NYU was I was just going to move to New York and just make it happen, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that that's, that's at least my plan. And, you know, the school is so expensive these days. I'm still paying off student loans for a degree that I don't have because I dropped out my junior year to go on a national tour, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it's funny that I'm six Broadway shows deep, a couple of TV shows, and I'm still in debt from school that, and I don't even have like a diploma to like show for my debt. Right. So it really is, it's your choice. And to be in the arts, you don't technically need that degree, but some people, you know, I have a friend that's going back to school after having a really great career on Broadway because they really want to get into higher education. And so in, in order to be a teacher in higher education, you do have to have those degrees, right? So it really just depends on what your specific journey is. Yeah. And now I mentioned this in the introduction, but The Seraph is one of my favorite songs ever. Ugh. I just want to talk to you about creating like a journey of a song because mm -hmm. like the emotional arc of that song is so beautiful. And I just mm -hmm. want to hear like your process of like figuring out a song and dissecting it. Yeah, that song and that album, that show in particular, really spoke to me in that time in my life. Ryan Scott Oliver, who's been a friend of mine since I was 19, 20, he used 35 millimeter as like a meditation on what on religion and on spirituality. And in my early 20s, I was having a hard time with my religion and spirituality and kind of divorcing myself from what I had learned and known my whole life. So to be given the seraph at a time where I was dating Adam Chandler Barat, by the way, at the time. So Adam was my seraph and I was contemplating my religion. And so I was able to really kind of hone in very specifically what those things were in my life. So that's, that's really lovely when a song can be so, so immediate in someone's life. When a song isn't immediate, I really have to kind of do the work. I have to play the what if games and I have to be like, okay, so what if this was in my life? Who would the person I'm talking to be? How might I go about getting what I want? You know, all of the acting 101 stuff that you learn in school. But yeah, it's the, the beginning, the middle, and the end. I don't know. Yeah. Acting is so crazy. <laughs> it's like we're little, we're tiny little brain surgeons that are playing <laughs> tricks on ourselves in order to tell a story. But The Seraph is one of those songs that will forever um, be a part of my like chemical makeup, I feel. And Ryan did give me a lot of carte blanche on how I wanted to present it, which felt cool as well. Yeah. Every single time that I listen to it, and it's like been a day, when it gets to the, I don't believe in God, I think Jesus was just a man. Oh, it hits so hard. Yeah. Just hearing you say that made my tear, made my eyes well up a bit. Yeah. It's, it's intense. I, I had my mom listen to that song and she loved it so much until we got to that part. And then she heard me sing, I don't believe in God. And, you know, religion has been a whole journey <laughs> with me. Um, I consider myself very spiritual. I consider myself um, to believe in something, some higher power. Um, but yeah, I, I do believe that Jesus was just a man. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. I don't even know how to follow that up in conversation. <laughs> it's a, a, hey, you went straight to religion, huh? That's, all, that's hard. <laughs> oh, well, so 
on a sort of topic of community, I guess we'll go with sure. that line. You are very big in the advocacy side of theater as well with Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, which is a wonderful organization. And you do the I Put a Spell on You Live, which is such a wonderful thing. And I'm so glad you do that. Can you talk about why you want to use your spotlight for the better? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to find theater in the way that I did as a kid unless I had KWC Performing Arts, which was a nonprofit children's theater that scholarshiped me all the way through my time with them. So those kinds of organizations that exist in the world that do give to the community are, they're so, they're important to me. They're, they're the reason why I am where I am today. And, you know, my first Broadway show was Hair and Gavin Creel was our lead and he was our leader. Um, and the way that he was so passionate about being in the community and creating change made me realize that that's what I wanted my career to feel like as well. I I wanted to be an advocate for change and I wanted to be out in the world and using my voice and my art for good. So when I found Broadway Cares and started doing Broadway Bears and Broadway Backwards and going to the flea market and doing the Easter bonnets and doing the Red Bucket Follies, uh, I just found that their organization was reminded me of KWC Performing Arts. It reminded me of what Gavin was doing. And so I, I latched onto them. I, I begged them for a few years to be our benefactor. And for, I put a spell on you after I realized it was something I wanted to do every year. And they finally joined us in our fourth year, I think. So it took a few years for them to sign on board because, you know, they're a busy organization, but yeah, the, the sense of community is, is the perfect word for it. I thought that Broadway Bears was just about like showing off your body and getting naked for fun. And then when I did it for the first time, I realized just how impactful it was when I realized how much money we were raising and, and the community that I felt with those artists. That's, that's what, that's what I want my life to be, right? That's, that's what I want my mission to be, to continue doing what I love, but always make it for in, in service of something or someone. And you've been yeah. as part of so many Broadway shows where you tell such wonderful stories like Hair and Parade and Fan of the Opera. It is all so incredible. Your career is great. <laughs> yeah, I feel super lucky. You know, I'm, I'm just like riding the wave and then <laughs> trying to stay as present in every moment as possible. And I'm having fun. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the flea market and... I just have to say this every time someone brings it up that I missed the flea market in last September by two days. Oh, no. I was in New York and then like two days after I left, it was flea market day. Dang. Made me so mad. You'll but be back. I'll get over it. <laughs> You'll be back. You'll be back. Yeah, I, I found some cool stuff at that flea market, but I'm, I'm also a bit of a hoarder, <laughs> so I have to be careful. <laughs> And you know what? That's okay. As long That's as right. you own up to it, it's okay. <laughs> That's right, Mason. That is exactly right. <laughs> Be the true hoarder inside of you. <laughs> Here I am, the Broadway hoarder. So you went to see White Girl in Danger last week. And that just, I wanted to talk about the future of Broadway. And since that mm. could be a future of storytelling, I wanted to talk to you about the future of Broadway and what that means to you. Hmm. And the way that we were able to tell the story of Parade, that really feels like the future to me. Yeah. We were so supported 
by a sensitivity coach, by a wellness specialist, by two associate directors that had very different walks of life that came in with very different skill sets that helped tell our story. That That's the future to me. The creation of the art for sustainability purposes, it, that's the future. Advocacy, representation, all of that is so freaking important. And what I think our industry has been begging of us for the last few years. So I, I continue to talk nothing about good things about parade and the experience of parade to everyone. Cause I really hope and wish and feel like that is the best way to move forward as an industry telling stories like white girl in danger. Yeah. It was so wild. It was so subversive. It was so hilarious to see a queer black man's take on the soap opera, which is absolutely not a black art form. I mean, it was really it was stunning to watch. It was so, so fun. So yeah, I think the Phantom of the Operas of the World are important, but I think Emily Kachu being the closing Christine is super important so that there is a little black girl out there that can see her represented on stage in a famously white show, right? So that's the future of Broadway. I don't know. I could go on and on and on about this. This is a good question, Mason. (laughs) But yeah, I'm excited about it. And I see it happening in our industry currently. And I I want to help usher it into, you know, a new era. Yeah. And this entire interview is just going to be like us talking good about Parade, but... We love it. (laughs) Yeah. But even just like the design and execution of Parade is like, Mm. allows itself to be storytelling enhanced by the projections on the back wall, seeing everything in the Jacobs to let it like be transparent to the situation, which is so wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. It's a testament to Michael Arden. He's a visionary. He's a perfectionist. He, he takes a, he takes a bit of a Hal Prince approach too, uh, in simplicity, you know, not that, not that Phantom of the Opera is simple, but it kind of is if you really, I mean, it's just, it's very expensive simplicity, yeah. but it's just a couple of curtains and a black box, right? You know, like, it's, yeah. I really am so impressed by my, everything that Michael does blows my mind from his revival of Spring Awakening to Once on this Island. I mean, he's two for two. He's one <laughs> best revival both times he's directed a revival. So maybe he'll be three for three this year. Going for three. <laughs> I... Like I said, I cannot stop thinking about it, and I don't think I will. Yeah, that's. I've heard that from a lot of people, and I don't really stop thinking about it either, I guess, because I can't because I'm doing it every night. But it does. It feels really lovely to be a part of a show that um, is creating such a wave um, culturally, um, not only in our industry, but in just in the world. So, again, it's nothing but f- feelings of gratitude and, and happiness yeah. <laughs> amongst a, amidst a really horrible, horrible story <laughs> but such a stacked cast telling it as well oh my like, god i love them every single person on that stage is incredible and like all the teenage girls that are in it are fabulous yeah. and They're like so smart jake Pedersen's anger during the funeral i love that kid god he's good yeah it was all so good is it's there insane. anything else that you want to add about parade or add about your career and any advice that you want to give before we wrap up? Oh man, no, you've really covered it all. You really nailed it. 
Mason, which is wild. <laughs> and thanks for bringing up I Put a Spell on You. We're excited to be in our eighth year. Yeah. It's going to be on, we haven't announced this officially, so <laughs> hot off the presses, but it's, <laughs> it's going to be October 23rd, I believe, at Sony Hall again, I believe. So, you know. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. So come on through and let's raise some more money for Broadway Cares. Yes, I will promote it as much as possible. Thanks, Mason. I appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and Absolutely. talking to me. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> and thank you so much for listening and continuing to support my show. If you want to learn more about me or connect with me on social media, feel free to go to bpn.fm slash realtalk. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.